Now back to 10 at 10 with Elise and Jerry. Number four. Elise and Jerry back with you. Top four in the 10 at 10 here. 10 to noon, Elise and Jerry with you. Monday through Friday on Sports Radio KJR. Taiwan Walker is a guy that many teams look at with a little bit of curiosity. And I think looking at, oh boy, this guy could be a real good one if he can stay healthy. He's been dealing with uh, the arm issues and he's finally back. And boy, he looked full strength last night, Jerry. In Tacoma, he gave up only four hits. I think even more importantly, complete game for him in his rehab start, 109 pitches. Complete game, nine innings, and a shutout. And he was hitting 95 on the radar gun in the ninth inning. He looks strong enough not only to hit the radar gun in the mid-90s, but also to go deep into a game, more than 100 pitches, and be extremely effective. One start last week, he didn't look good at all. So I don't necessarily think it's time right now to bring him up. You're scraping by with Erasmo Ramirez for, what, four and a third, four and two-thirds last night? You still get a win? Yeah. Somehow, some way with Erasmo, they're kind of just maybe playing on borrowed time with him. It's a matter of time before he just blows up again. But right now it's working. I would say you, you give Taiwan a little more time before it's necessary to bring him up. When, yeah. when, should they, when should they say, okay, we've seen enough in Tacoma. You're ready to be a big leaguer now. Uh, maybe a couple more weeks. I mean, if he, if he continues to do, to do stuff like this and you know that he's healthy, uh, maybe sooner than that, but I'm thinking it's still probably a, a post All Star break thing that they look at. Um, uh, you know, the first thing you do now is you pray that he is fine. You know, that he comes back, he's feeling good today. That uh, within these next five days, that he's able to throw his bullpens and and do everything and come back out uh, and perform well again in his next start. Uh, uh, you know, you're still talking about a guy who who had had a couple setbacks there. And, and, you know, there were some times a year ago where uh, it's a different kind of injury, but uh, Danny Holson would look like this. And then all of a sudden he can't get loose the next day, uh, the next time out. So, uh, you know, I still want to be really patient with him. And let's not remember, I mean, even though he's throwing lights out or he threw lights out last night in Tacoma, it's a different stress level on a pitcher throwing in the major league. You know, th- their ability to – uh, to work the count, to foul off your nastiest pitches, to yeah. get your pitch count up, all those things. Uh, Taiwan Walker's too valuable of an asset just to say, okay, he threw nine innings in Tacoma. Let's throw him back out. Let's throw him out there with the major league club. Uh, as much as we love him, he's my favorite of their young, you know, say under 25 guys. Um, but but uh, you need to see a little more uh, in AAA before you start talking about him coming back and playing with the big boys. We were talking about the trade rumors of the Mariners potentially interested in a starting pitcher and that Jack Sorensic has said, John Heyman reporting that he said, we're open to anything. Right now we're looking at everything to make this ball club better. Yeah, I would, if you're asking me where their holes are, that they need to desperately fill, it would be in their lineup. Their everyday lineup, consistent hitters that can hit for power. Their OPS right now is one of the, they are one of the worst teams in baseball. They're 14th in runs scored today. They've banged out 20 runs over the last two games. They're now 14th in runs scored. But every indicator of future success in runs scored says they're not going to keep this up. Low in OPS, low in on-base percentage, low in batting average. You'd think pretty soon that the one number that really does matter in runs, that's what equals success and wins, 
is going to start matching up with that. The starting pitching, I just think, man, you've got Taiwan Walker ready to come up. You've got James Paxton. You think one of those guys could be healthy enough to to bolster your starting lineup, right? Uh, that's if, a dangerous just... gamble to make, though, Elise. Uh, you know, I mean, let's look at this situation um, at at their outside of Felix and Iwakuma, okay? And we all love what Chris Young has done. We all love what uh, Elias has done. Um, but Elias is a guy who you're not going to be able to throw him 210 innings this year. There's going to come a point where you're going to have to scale him back. Uh, Chris Young, uh, who is Chris Young? I mean, he, he's a guy who's been a very nice pitcher in his career when healthy. Uh, but Chris Young hasn't thrown 107 innings in seven years in a season. And he's on pace to uh, go well beyond that right now. Uh, don't forget, he didn't pitch at all last year. And and uh, in his entire career, he's only started, made 30 starts three times. Um, you know, if you're if you're absolutely banking on him, if you're saying – you know, our hopes hinge on Chris Young making 33 starts this year, something that he's never done in his career. Uh, you better do something to hedge your bet. And then with Taiwan and James, young guys who had uh, some significant injuries that have worried and scared the hell out of you. Do you really want to throw them into a? Do you really want to say, uh, okay, we can absolutely bank on it? You know, it might all work out and everything's fine, but there needs to be some kind of contingency. And as good as they're going right now, it does make sense to add to your strength to solidify it uh, because most likely everyone is not going to either remain healthy, uh, which has been remarkable so far this year, that in four of, of, of five spots uh, or three of five spots, you've, you've had great health and pretty good health after Iwakuma, you know, Iwakuma missed the first little part, but he's been fine since then. So I can understand why you want to bolster your strength. And remember, it's not you don't just you, it's not just one, you don't have just one trade to make. You can make multiple trades. Um, and but if they, they, if they don't have gonna, enough pieces, honestly, and, and Jerry. The they thing, don't have enough if pieces. If they're going to make a trade for a bat, you're gonna you're gonna trade your one of your top line guys. You're gonna have to put a Taiwan Walker or a James Paxton if he proves to be healthy in that kind of a deal. So there's two different sides that you're probably playing. You're probably playing something where maybe you find somebody who's in love with with uh, Franklin, and you can put some some C level guys with Franklin and put together a deal for a guy who makes five or six million dollars on a pitching side, and he's probably looking. You know, if we have to, if we have to get a bat, and we, we might have to trade Taiwan, but you better make sure that guy is, if not an all star, he's someone who is a proven professional hitter who's going to fit into the middle of your lineup and make you immediately better. Not not another Jesus Montero, Michael Pineda type of deal. It has to be someone who is a proven hitter. So I, I think, you know, um, they they have, if they really want to go out and do both, they can go out and do both. It's going to cost them money and salary, and it's going to cost them assets. But uh, if you're if you're sitting there thinking our pitching is fine, we got nothing, nothing to worry about. You know, I I would really caution against that. I I don't. I, I would say there's always something to worry about, and I think the point about Chris Young not throwing a lot of innings is a good one. That that's something that is he going to wear down? And you know, Elias is he going to wear down? That's a that's a possibility for sure. That's a real possibility. But right now we know 
that is a projection of what well, could be. We already know right now this offense is not very good. I know that everybody right now may be flying high because they've scored 12 and 8. Well, the two games before that, they scored 2 and 2 and managed to win the game. So give them credit. They're able but, to bear down th- and get wins. But if you're trying to project, in all honesty, which one needs a boost, if I've only got a certain amount of assets, they don't have assets for days. But also it's not think the about free it, agent market. Th- it's, think about it in this, in, in this vein, though. Um, they can say, well, uh, we have guys coming back who've been injured. We haven't had a healthy lineup. I mean, that, that's the thing, you know. Um, but they've got pitchers it, that no, haven't no, but, but been healthy but either, it's, it's more likely that your hitters are going to stay healthy and be available uh, th- than it is, you know, certain pitchers who either have issues in terms of they haven't gone that distance in terms of innings pitched or they haven't done it in a long time and they have an injury history. And then the other thing, uh, they could be saying, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that this is, you know, the absolute thing, but you could say we are in an era of just bad hitting in baseball right now. Nobody's really just knocking the cover off the ball outside of the Detroit Tigers. And so you could say, well, pitching and defense is what's going to win this thing anyway. And uh, it, it, maybe now we're not going to be punished as much for being a bad hitting ball club as we were, say, four years ago. I mean, I'm just saying these are all things that, uh, you know, what you come to the determination of is is how you view how a team should be built, but there has to be something that you consider. You have to, you, you have to think, I mean, once again, you're trying to think in 2014 versus the competition that we have, what is the best way for us to get to the playoffs without mortgaging our entire future? That's what they're trying to do here. And uh, all those things have to be into consideration. It can't just be let's disregard everything and let's have a blind spot and let's just go after the best available bat because, quite frankly, every contender in baseball is going to be looking for that bat, and everybody in the league thinks they're still in it because mediocrity reigns right now. So it's going to be as hard as it is most years to find an impact bat. It's going to be that much harder this year at the trade deadline. Did you find it interesting in the article, Jerry, that uh, John Heyman was talking about the Mariners situation on uh, CBSSports.com, and he said, and I had not heard this number thrown out there. Maybe I just hadn't seen this, but he was talking about the Mariners with the guy that you didn't have to give up anything except for salary to get him, and that is Kendrys Morales, and that the Mariners, when it got down to June, and you knew that there was not going to be any compensation, there was kind of a, a deadline of when the Mariners and all that. $5 million is all they gave him. That was the contract that they were willing to give Kendrys Morales, a guy that's proven that he could hit in Safeco Field. $5 million. Now, I know that they'd had some issues with Scott Boris, and they had offered three years 30. But when it came down to it, John Heyman was, talked about that it was a $5 million offer for Kendrys Morales at that point in the season. Did but you find th- that th- to be really low? Yeah, I found that to be low. You wouldn't have given up and, any asset for And him. I was disappointed by that. But there was also, uh, I don't know if it was Heyman or someone else who said they they threw a two-year contract scenario at him, and he didn't want it because he wanted to come back and be a free agent. Um, there was just a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, issues there with, 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 with Kendry reading the market wrong and uh, trying to get as much. I, I think for him uh, – at least in, in most of these contract situations, what winds up happening uh, is when you go out and you think you can play the market like that, you never come back to your team for less or at a number that's comfortable for them. 
you always sort of have your eye more on going somewhere else because it's kind of embarrassing to have had $30 million on the table from the Mariners and then come back and accept a five-year deal. And for them, I, I think that the, throughout the whole negotiation, they were kind of through. Um, and part of me understands that, although I would rather he be on this team for the $7.6 million uh, that uh, that Minnesota paid for the rest of the year. Yeah, seven point six million for Kendris Morales. He'd look pretty good in that DH spot, and you would give up no asset. You wouldn't be talking about giving up Franklin or giving up Walker or Paxton or anybody else. It would just be seven point six million dollars. Um, the report from Hyman said, "Where does they first propose the Mariners a two-year idea before offering a modest one-year number, believed to be close to five million dollars, designed to fit Morales's goal of hitting the free agent market again next year?" Then he shocked folks by signing with the Twins for significantly more. I had significantly more five to seven and a half million when you're talking about percentages. But in the grand scheme of things, when you'd offer three thirty, yeah, you scaled it back. It was almost like like that, I said. I mean, it's not as simple as just know. saying the Mariners were too cheap to pay two point six million dollars for Morales. There was a lot of complexity to that. They gave it a great opportunity, and uh, there's some fault on their side for not getting this done. There's plenty of fault on the Boris Morales side sure. as well for not getting well, it done. He botched that in a lot of different ways, too. The whole so thing I, is. I look at that in the past. We've looked at that as just reason to rip the Mariners for being cheap, this and that. I look at this as one that was way more complicated and one that ultimately Kendry Morales did not want to be here unless the Mariners broke the bank for him. And hey, nobody wanted to do that. Is this Wednesday? Is this hump day? The Ian Furness Show, you talk about having fun. They're going to be broadcasting live for Chambers Bay today from noon to 3. Should be a lot of fun. They have some great guests going on to talk about the U.S. Open coming to Chambers Bay right here in our backyard a year from now. Be sure to tune in at noon to 3 with Ian and Puck from down there at Chambers Bay. We're coming right back, Elise and Jerry. How about a bite out of the shoulder of a World Cup player? What the heck does FIFA do about that? Elise and Jerry coming back. Brad Miller will join us at 11.20, about 45 minutes from now. Stay tuned to hear from your Mariners shortstop about this hot streak right now. Check on the cars. Now back to 10 at 10 with Elise and Jerry. Number five. Man, there's some good drama in the World Cup. We all talk about the over-drama. And the guys that fall and flop and do all those things. Can you make up getting bit on the shoulder, Jerry? This is going to be one of those situations. A goal came after this incident of the biting. And Uruguay is moving on. And Italy is going home. And so the Italians are fired up. (laughs) There was a guy that bit the shoulder slash back of another player. That is crazy. Luis Suarez, what? This is the third time that he's had something like this. He's been suspended two times in his career before. FIFA, I know he's a star, and I know as as much as I'm just kind of on this World Cup on the periphery looking in, everybody knows that he's one of the best strikers in the world, and Uruguay doesn't have a chance, I think, with that. I mean, maybe they have a chance, but they take a significant hit of moving on in this tournament without their striker. And yet this guy... He claims, I had contact with his shoulder, nothing more. <laughs> okay. This story is, is absolutely ridiculous. And the funny thing is, you know, so FIFA, so this is an assault charge. 
you know. Yeah. And and uh, FIFA in their rules say uh, it calls for a ban from anything from two matches to twenty four months. You talk about just a wide, you know, uh, a punishment that, that that they could could institute. I think this happening on their stage uh, in in such a in such a high profile international event as the World Cup. Uh, you got it. You got to come down harsher than you probably would if it were for one of your smaller events. So I don't think two matches is going to cut it. As a matter of fact, I think I probably, if I'm FIFA, I suspend him for the rest of the World Cup. That's the bottom line. You can't. You can't play the rest of the way. Well, I would say that I mean, two, two is, matches is the World Cup essentially, right? I mean, is Uruguay really going to go that far? I mean, I mean you don't know, but I mean, but, you know, maybe yeah. save for us as they do make a run. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be able to to help them. Uh, win the championship where he's around, you know, doing Mike Tyson the fools and everything, you know. How about the referee didn't even – he wouldn't even look at the shoulder of the Italian defender, uh, Giorgio Cellini. He wouldn't even look at it. He's pulling down his shirt and then <laughs> – Well, then you have an Argentina guy come – or a Uruguay guy come and try to pull it yeah, back up. It's I like, no, 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 there's really something there. that was really odd. Like, man, that's when I would have gone, <laughs> don't touch me. Don't touch my shirt. What are you trying to do? You're trying to hide it. Get off me. Like, what – why was the Uruguay defender doing that? It, that, that part I kind of laughed at too, but uh, the referee wouldn't even look at it. But it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I mean, th- 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 this has happened multiple times in his career. He needs to get his emotions under control. I mean, there's no place for that in he, sports. He needs to be required to wear a mouthpiece. <laughs> is what he or give him like one do. of those collars like dogs have. That's what he really does. Yeah, I think ho- that, ho- you hope he has his rabies what shot. If that, what, is, what if that's one of the conditions of being able to come back, uh, not during the World Cup? When he does return to action, Luis Suarez will be forced to wear a dog collar so that he will not bite anybody else during his career. Three times. It's not one time. That's that's three times? I mean, think about... Come on. What What would we have done... During the Super Bowl, if Peyton Manning had just decided to bite Richard Sherman because he had enough, bite him, you know, uh, what, what in the NBA finals, if LeBron or D Wade got so frustrated, they just decided to take a chunk out of Manu Ginobili. That's sort of the outrage that we would have. You know, it's easy to make fun of and all of that because it's not the United States, it's Italy and it's Uruguay, but you know this is ridiculous i mean one of your one of your, one of the most high profile and most talented athletes in the entire tournament uh is resorting to this kind of thing which uh uh it violates sportsmanship and quite frankly when you're out there competing you shouldn't have to worry about someone biting you it's crazy it's it's, it's that that I mean, happened it's it's ludicrous the, it's, the it's ridiculous picture... that we're even having a debate about him continuing on in this tournament. Well, how could he even continue to play at that? I, it was it was tough to see. I will give the referees credit for that. That they will go back and they'll review this. If FIFA doesn't come down harsh on this, and it's interesting because the guy that got bit, Cellini for Italy, was saying, "Hey, FIFA's going to try to protect their stars. They're they're going to try to you know go easy on him, go light." The whole world is watching this. It's pretty evident. You can see the bite marks. You can't make that up. He was doing it immediately following. It's not like he could have had a bruise that looked like a bite before the thing started. Happenstance. The guy bit him. It's pretty clear. So what they do uh, is certainly going to be under watch. And, you know, there's a lot of 
with all the controversy with FIFA and you know where the World Cup is going to be coming up and all the different things of is it corrupt, what's going on, I would suspect with the world watching something like this, yeah, you cannot let somebody get away with that, especially when he has a history of doing this before. I mean, that's just insane. And then the picture in the, of him grabbing his teeth. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just... You know, you might want to bite somewhere where doing? there where there isn't a bone. You know, I mean, like you know, he just he just gnawing whatever he can get at. Now, well, how do we know he isn't a vampire? Well, just <laughs> uh, missed. Uh, it's just yeah. That... Did you hear the story about the uh, the the whole vampire umpire <laughs> yes. comment? At, yes, at I Wimbledon? did. <laughs> the referee whose nickname is Dracula did not notice. The referee's nickname <laughs> happened to be Drac. You cannot make this up. You cannot make this up. Hey, one thing though, Elise, this this idea I know that that the Italian player brought up of uh, they're going to protect their star players. The star players have to play. Um, you know, when you start doing that uh, to that level in sports, uh, there's enough stars on this World Cup stage to have Luis Suarez be suspended for the entire World Cup and still have a compelling, great uh, event and a great finish to this this event. Like you said. Uh, they're likely not going to go all the way anyway. So uh, there's going to come a point in time when he's not in it. So I just don't buy that notion. Uh, you know, there's one thing about, you know, whether whether you get star calls, you know, within the framework of the rules. But there's one thing when you just violate the sportsmanship and, and threaten the health of another player. Uh, you just can't be involved in that. And there's no place for it. And if they if they don't suspend him for the entire tournament, I'd be – Greatly disappointed. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk some Husky football. Chris Peterson listed as the second best coach in America on NFL.com. We'll talk about that. And if that's the case, how much better can he make this Husky squad? If you compare him to Steve Sarkeesian and, and his coaching, where are the holes and where can Peterson have an immediate dividend? We'll talk about that coming up. It's Elise and Jerry with you talking Husky football when we come back here in just a minute on Sports Radio KJR.